You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back to start another week of Blue Jays talk. It's going to be an exciting week. Here on Locked On Blue Jays, lots of different voices going to be coming at you. Going to have guests galore this week. And what other way would we start a guest-heavy week? By welcoming co-host Ryan Miller back onto the show. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that never gets old. No, happy Monday, sir. Happy Monday. Oh, don't be one of those people. Oh, no, I love Mondays. Mondays are fantastic. We had a good weekend. It was a good Father's Day weekend. So the weather was beautiful here in Ontario. We got to spend most of the time um, poolside. So watching the Jays sweep a series. Yeah, it's rainy here. So, mm. yeah. Well, I'm sorry about your luck. <laughs> no, it's fine. You Like you said, it was a really good weekend to be a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Did not look it. On Friday morning, when you're staring the Washington Nationals in the face and you see two different color eyes staring back at you, when you see Max Scherzer on on the docket, but a very impressive performance by the Blue Jays over the weekend, sweeping those Washington Nationals. The I, I believe a few people had them as World Series winners, so this means Toronto is going to win the World Series now, right? Like. Just, like just, just that—that's what I gleaned from that. If, if only, if, <laughs> if only that's how the world worked, right? <laughs> I think they were really lucky to get game one. Yeah, a lot of bounces. Like, there's a lot of luck in baseball. You got to be lucky to be good. All that stuff, right? Or good to be lucky, whatever it is. But like, they—they they got away with a win on on Friday. Yeah, and that's gonna it, happen, right? Yeah, and they they really didn't have much going for them on offense outside of two batters, and that was Devin Travis and Yanhervis Solarte, and Solarte with the with the pair of home runs in that game, and a pair of home runs that hurt. That that second one, uh, the one he hit off Justin Miller, first run actually charged to Justin Miller this season. So to be able to come in I, on. On a couple pitchers, because I, I know everyone was talking up Gio Gonzalez ahead of the game as like one of those lefties that the Blue Jays would really struggle to, to hit against. And then you see a guy who comes in with a spotless ERA who's had like fantasy pieces written up about him as a middle reliever to come in and put those guys down like in the way that Solarte was able to do. That's a huge boost for this team. It, especially to see a guy like Solarte who brings such a joie de vivre to the game, be able to go out and have a day like that, even when like no one else was doing anything. It, it can power you through, through any kind of struggle really. Well, and we've, I, I know we talked about this in one of our previous uh, meetings is that uh, that's Solarte, right? Mm. He's, he's streaky. He's going to, he's going to have a couple real stinkers and he's going to have a couple really good games. Well, this was one of his really good games. And it's, it, and you're right. It is good to see. He's, he's having a career year. He's, I think he's three, 
three home runs shy of his career high, which he set last year, which was 18 or something like that. He's taken advantage of the AL East. He's he's a more mature hitter than he was when he was with the Yankees. So we, we might have to start talking about him as an All Star. You you look I, at this Blue Jays team. I I talked with Sean about it, and he he brought up T. Oscar. But at this point, it's going to be either J. Happ or Yanhever Solarte, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with those two. I I don't think T. Oscar. I think. I get you have to pick somebody, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's that sounds that sounds very negative. This isn't a horrible team. It's not like they don't have any all stars. They're just not playing like all stars. No, and like your usual candidates, your Josh Donaldson, your Justin Smoke, haven't been near as productive. But we're getting off track with that, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. let's talk about the good from the Washington series, and and like I said, I meant. I mentioned Devin Travis as well. Travis has been having a brilliant month. His batting average is up to 238 now. He had a pair of home runs in that Washington series, including the blow off of Max Scherzer that provided the only runs in that second game, which I I talked about this with Sean on the call-in show from J- the Jays from the Couch call-in show, which, hey, if you're not checking in on that... You really should be. There there are some things brewing with that one. <laughs> that I I won't I won't say just yet. I won't say just yet, but um no, the the pitching performance in that game against Scherzer, again, Max Scherzer is the be- maybe the best pitcher in the game right now. Like just an absolutely dominant force on the mound. And the Blue Jays went out there, and yeah, they struck out a lot. You're going to do that against Max Scherzer. But it was a rare case when they had their opportunity to do something, to take advantage of a mistake, and Devin Travis did. It, was, it wasn't the prettiest of home runs, but it was, it, was done, it was done. And like the way Marco Estrada was pitching on Saturday, that's all they needed. No, and, and you bring up Estrada. So not to take away from the shine... Of, of the Devin Travis home run, but we we had a good a good start from from Sanchez, which mm. you know come on we need we need Sanchez to uh, to pitch like he did on Friday for the rest of the season if if we have any hopes of even chasing that second wild card. So we had a good start from from Sanchez, right? Six six innings, three runs allowed, eight strikeouts, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. We'll take that every single time. It, it's a heck of a lot better than three and two thirds. That's right. So then now we had we had Estrada who's looked good the past couple times out, mm. and he put up zeros across almost seven innings. Yeah, like right. like the he was just baffling players with that changeup of his. I mean, we talked about this on a previous episode too. The way he's been mixing in his curveball a bit more. Yep. It has really changed the perspective on his changeup and it's really established that again as a, a dominant pitch for him because he he was leaning on it pretty heavy in the in the first month and a half or so of the season. The fact he's got that third pitch in there to mix now really makes him much more effective on the mound. Yeah, and then we, we have our, our close our sweep with Gavilio on the on the mound. <laughs> you know, he, he had to be pulled because of uh you know, he had to get on a plane his uh, I don't one of his 
kids were born. Um, so, he, you know, and he, he didn't look horrible. Like he wasn't, he wasn't as sharp. He seemed to, he, he seemed sharp early on and then he kind of lost it in the, uh, the, the fourth inning there. Um, but he still struck out six over four and you're not, you don't expect a lot of strikeouts from Gavilio, right? He's, he's not a high strikeout guy. So, you know, yeah. I, I think he might have he might have been able to go uh, an extra inning or two in that if he if he didn't have other pressing matters to attend to. Yeah, I'm I'm actually all right with Gavilio leaving when he did. It was like like that second inning was really rough for him, just just not not really being able to prevent uh, those and that 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 balk was stupid. Like can we yeah can we just say that well, just. They happen, right? <laughs> we won't discuss the uh, the long man that came in after Gavilio, so uh, we'll just we'll why? just gla- just glaze over um, eight point two six ERA, and uh, we'll continue on with the home runs. Lots of home <laughs> runs. This lots of home runs. This uh, this series, right? Fine. We won't we won't talk about the guy who should be sent to Buffalo any day now. Right. But yeah. just just a performance yesterday from a power standpoint. How about Randall Grichuk? Another good game for him. Since he's come back, he's raised his batting average almost 100 points. Again, with, with him and Travis, and and let's throw a Ledmus Diaz in there as well, because Diaz has been good since coming back. With with those guys back in the bottom of the lineup, it's made this... It's made that Blue Jays one for nine so much more potent. Because how how many times during the month of May did we watch that Blue Jays lineup and look at like the bottom third when it was like Urshela and and uh, and Alford a a weak Anthony Alford and and like Luke Maley when he was struggling and Russell Martin and you look at that like Kendris Morales when he was still not a professional designated hitter and was worth less than a Greek dollar. And you looked at the bottom of that lineup and you had no faith it would do anything. Like it wouldn't be able to get on base. Now with, now with Grichuk hitting, now with Travis hitting, like there, there's a sense that you, you can't take an inning off with this Blue Jays lineup, not with the way some of those guys are hitting. Cause you could totally do that before. And that made, that made it so much easier for pitchers to just get quick innings because you you didn't have to worry about Gio Urshela blasting one, so it, it's so it's so much more diverse what the Blue Jays can do on offense with Grichuk and Travis hitting like this. Well, and and we kind of ripped on Pilar uh, last week and two weeks ago, and and he's he's even turned it around a little bit. He's he's actually putting the bat on the ball or. Yeah, the bat on the ball a little bit more than he he had. He had a nice two for five day. Um, you know, he he hasn't been as bad as he was at the beginning of June, so he's turning his June around a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that that really does lengthen that lineup. It gives you, you know, other than Russell Martin hitting in in the sixth spot, you know, from five from five to nine, it gives you options. It gives you guys that you're like, okay, well, this isn't an automatic out. Exactly. Which, which we were feeling when the pretty, Jays were pretty much going. every day in May. Yeah, like you, like every day in May, it was like let's hope Teoscar or Jan Harvis hit something, 
because I don't have faith in anyone else in the lineup to do so. So, well, and, and Teoscar has brought his his batting average up. He's he's just shy of two seventy. So, you know, he's he's turning into that guy that, uh, you know, I think over the off season we were all kind of hoping hmm. that he would turn into. And then they they picked up Grichik, who you know we've already mentioned, who's going much better. I think at Grichik, his low watermark was uh, I think he was batting ninety five. Yeah, like right so. To see him getting up now, he's hitting 196. So you know to, he's he's trending in the right direction, and and I think we all kind of felt that um, Grichik, he's going to be a low batting average, high high power guy, right? Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what we we thought that we were getting, and you know he he came to Toronto and he really, you know, well our our listeners know what he did, so I don't really have to rehash that. But you know to see to see Grichik doing what he's doing and to see uh, T Oscar being able to to continue with his success. He just seems like it's um, it's an all or nothing with him. He's either going to hit an extra base hit or he's going to strike out. Yeah, well, I think the main thing with Grichuk too is that he looks like he's enjoying himself a lot more out there. Like, he's not all tensed up, feeling like he has to prove anything. Like, you looked at him during the Washington series and he, he looked like he was playing free. Like, like just going up there and not, not trying to impressed just going up and doing his thing and it paid off very well for him because then he didn't have to think about it and and he could hit again and i want to see him continue that going forward yeah he doesn't seem to be thinking as much at the plate as as he was before right like his hands are a lot quieter as -hmm. well like like when he's when he's at the plate so yeah he's just he's finding holes and hopefully it continues Speaking of finding things, we found an ad break, so we'll be back right after this. We didn't mention this in the first half, Miller, but Russell Martin really didn't have a good series against Washington from either standpoint, at the plate or behind the dish. He gave up eight stolen bases. What what do you do with that? Like... There was no fear. Uh, like I, I know Washington's an outlier team. They have a lot of guys with speed. They have Trey Turner and Bryce Harper and Michael Taylor and Juan Soto's got wheels. Wilmer Defoe, Brian Goodwin. There are a lot of guys on that Washington team who can steal bases, but they ran at well. Michael Taylor had the first four stolen base game against the Blue Jays ever yesterday. And and he, it there was no there was no fear there was, there was no fear that Russell Martin would catch him, and you combine that and you combine what he's done at the plate. What are are we seeing like the end of Russell Martin? Like is this why he's playing third and short because he can't throw base runners out anymore? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like he's he, he didn't he made a couple bad throws, but. I still think that, you know, if you don't have, if, if your pitchers don't help you out, you're not going, and this isn't taking it off of Russell Martin, right? Like, um, the middle, the middle game of this series, Maley caught and there was zero stolen bases. So, you know, there, Russell has to take some of the responsibility for that. Yeah. But he has, he, he, I don't know offhand, what's his, uh, what's his percentage right now for, He's at twenty one percent. He has caught yeah, eleven 
11 of 42. And, like, he he was good at it before. His first year in Toronto, he threw out 44% of base stealers. But then the last three seasons, it's been 15, 20, and 21. So maybe you got lucky at uh, the first season. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, the Jays, the Jays stole a couple bases too, but we're not going to throw a kaboom underneath the, uh, uh, under the uh, base paths because of it, right? Like, no. we're not going to, oh, I'll get rid of this guy. You know, Russ had a bad series, and he's not he he's not a guy that is going to throw out like you, you know we already said he's not going to throw out forty percent. He he did his first year that was great, but he's gone down since. So I think we have to you know temper our expectations when it comes to the running game with Russ. And I think we're making a big thing about nothing because the running game really isn't in baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge part, right? So. Uh, the attributes that Russ has with the, like I said, the pitch framing, receiving, all of that stuff, I think those still are a valuable asset, and that's why he's in the lineup batting what he's batting. I don't even want to say 165. Yeah, I don't even yeah. want to say 165, but I did. So, um, yeah, like he's he's still a valuable player because of what he brings on the field not really at the plate, right? But we've seen this from Russ as well, but I, I don't think he's going to dig himself out of this hole this year. I think he's he is showing his age. Yeah. I just don't think it's as much on the uh, on the, the throwing, controlling the running game as, as maybe we're making it out to seem in this series. Yeah. That's fair. Um, speaking of tempering expectations for oh. Blue Jays, I, again, I joked at the start of the podcast that this meant, this sweet meant that they would be heading to the World Series. But I, let's get serious, Miller. Like, it's still a team that's a ways away from, from reeling in the Astros or the Mariners. Like, the, the Mariners are probably the target because no one believes they can keep winning one run games. But. How how many Blue Jays are going to be traded off? Because like, Jay Happ is going to be a target. Marco Estrada, he keeps pitching like this. He's going to be a target. I, I've i made the case for Steve Pierce when he comes back. Steve Pierce, uh, by the way, also the best hitting regular batter on the Blue Jays, batting 273 from that standpoint. So that's a thing. But... Is, is, and, is and, and Pierce, Pierce, Pierce had a good two rehab games in Buffalo over the weekend too. So yeah. just throw that out there for the listeners. Yeah. Expecting him back. I, I'm expecting him back at the end of the week, hopefully. So I, I know he needs a bit of time in the outfield, but I, I'm expecting him back soon. But Miller, I wanted, I wanted to ask like, how, how deep are the Blue Jays going to go with, with kind of tearing this out? Are they just going to tell tear off the the spare parts sell the chrome bumper sell the stereo or do they have to really get down to the nails and and start shipping off other pieces well i th- i i feel like we've talked about this before but um we might have i think that what they're going to want to do is they're going to want to get as much value back as possible right yeah. i think they're they're going to be willing to 2019 
Um, I know everybody's like, oh, Vladimir Guerrero is going to be up and everything like that, and he's going to be playing. Vladdy doesn't automatically make us a World Series. No. There's going to be growing pains in the first couple of years where Vlad and and Boba Shed are up and like these guys that everybody is so excited to see, rightfully so. Um, there's going to be some growing pains. The minute they come up, we're not we're not automatically World Series contenders, right? So you know, with that said, um, I think you do need some of those those veterans, those untradeable contracts to to still be around. So we're going to keep Morales, right? Mm. We're going to keep Tulo, yeah. and Martin is still going to be here. Yeah. Aside from that, I think everybody else is fair game. See, see now this this was the thing I I looked at it as the Blue Jays trying to trying to build their next window, right? And if you look at the roster today, how many of these guys do you think are going to be around when Vlad Jr. is ready for primetime? When Bo Bichette's ready for primetime? When when Barucki and Sean Reed Foley can come up and be pieces of that rotation? And I looked at it and I only came up with four names that I'd want to keep around for that time. And they were Aaron Sanchez, Marcus Stroman, Teoscar Hernandez, and Ryan Tapera. And if I we we talked about this uh, before we went on air, which is why I'm I'm struggling to awkwardly get there because I want to have this talk with my co-host. <laughs> you're, you're talking about getting value for pieces, and based on what you said, all four of those pieces would be available, but especially you went after Tapera saying that Tapera should be dealt. And I <laughs> I think that would be stupid. Sorry. Well and and, and that's that's the beauty of uh, of of these these shows is that we, we can have debates and you we we can have uh, differences of opinions, right? Yeah. Tapera, in my opinion, is one of the more valuable Blue Jays right now. Um, he still has three. He hasn't even entered his arbitration years. Hmm. He's he's shown that he can be um, a very valuable member of really any bullpen, right? Um, right now, he's only making five hundred thousand. And change. Yeah. So next year, what what's he gonna? He's two million. Yeah, right? Aaron Loop money. Yeah. So you know he's. <laughs> if I was if I was a team, so we have to look at who's who's gonna want to add any of our Blue Jays, right? You're gonna be looking at teams that are, um, trying to make that push to the playoffs, and most teams that want to go long in the playoffs are teams that are looking to improve their bullpen. Yeah. And that's where Ryan Tapera comes in. He's a guy that show, has shown that he can set up and he can he's shown that he can somewhat close out games. Yeah, but the, the thing about the Blue Jays is they don't know what their bullpen is going to look like down the road. And they have a guy in Tapera who they know where he's at. Yeah, yeah, he's 30, but relievers can still be effective for at least a few years after that. If you want to let him go in 2022, that's fine. But by 2022, you're going to know if Roberto Osuna is still on this team. Because personally, I don't think he should be on this team anymore. But, but 
Tapera gives you a guy who's stable, who who younger younger arms like your your Danny Barnes, your Tim Meza, um, some of these kids who are going to be coming up, your Connor Fisk, uh, Zach Jackson. These are these are guys who can turn to Tapera as that veteran, as that guy who's who's seen it all and kind of help steady that ship. Because like you're not you're not going to keep John Axford around to do that. You're not going to keep Tyler Clippard around to do that. If anything, you're going to try and trade those guys at the deadline to try and get some value off them since you signed them to minor league deals. So Tapera is a guy who's been in this organization, has been there long. Like, do you want to keep Aaron Loop as that long-term veteran option for Blue Jays fans? Blue Jays fans think Aaron Loop's been there long enough. So, have, have <laughs> no, they're not, they're definitely not a fan. They 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 don't like him. But you have you do have other guys. You 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 have a pitching coach, and that's what a pitching coach is there for to to for tutelage, right? So. You know, I, I think all of the the oh well, you you want somebody there to help help the young guys along the way is is great, but we're not we're not going to have a bare bones bullpen next year, even even if we just bring up I don't know you have you have five five guys from the organization and then two guys from outside of the organization. You brought up minor league deals. You know, we got Clippard, we got O, and we got Axford. Those guys are available every, at the end of every spring. Those yeah. types of, you know, we got we got a little bit lucky because I think Clippard really did fall through the cracks, and I think uh, taking taking a gamble with O was was a great deal and everything like that. But yeah, you know, those kind of veteran guys that have kind of been through it all, the Al Albuquerques of the world in in Buffalo, you know they. I think that's where some of the tutelage. I, I think once you get up to the majors, you know the tutelage is a little less. Where in the upper minors, where you have those those guys that have been through it, and you know teaching the guys down there because that's what the minor leagues is for is for teaching. Um, that's where you want those career minor leaguers or those four A pitchers showing the guys how to be professionals. Once you get up here, I think you should take the training wheels off, take the floaties off, kick them in the deep end, see how they sink or swim, right? I just don't want Danny Barnes closing games yet. I, I love Danny Barnes. I think he's great. I'm going to wave the flag for Danny Barnes the rest of the season and beyond. But Danny Barnes isn't ready to close games. And Tyler Clippard scares the living daylights out of me when he closes games because you don't know what that changeup is going to do. If he has it, that's great. But there is a twenty-five percent chance he doesn't have it, and then balls are sailing out of the yard. No, and you know, the, I, I wonder. You you bring Clippard up. I wonder if Tapera is um, can be a comparable to Clippard because neither of them, like Clippard, has a much longer track record. But he's proven that he he can close a game here and there. Mm. But he's not your everyday closer. No. Tapera is four and seven in closed situations. Clippard is three and seven in closed situations. Very small sample size, granted. But I'm wondering if Tapera is a setup man and not a closer. We, he might, you know, he might well like, be. like 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 Biagini was a was a good setup man, and we've shown that. He's not a good start. He, he's not a good starter. 
And right. now he's not a good so, reliever anymore either. Right. You know, just just like I, I'm going to go way back, playback, Brandon Morrow. Yeah. With Seattle, he was a closer. We brought him here and we were like, wow, he should be a starter. And he was really good for a bit. And now what is he? He's a closer. Yep. You know, so I, I think that the 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 expectations to just this isn't um, MLB the show. You can't just go into settings on a player and change, and all of those attributes will automatically switch them to whatever position you want them to play or whatever role you want them to play, and they'll just they'll be just as good, right? Like some guys have the mentality to be role X, and they can't do role Y. So I think I think Tapera is a really good setup man, and we're asking him to close because of what Asuna did. That's true. And we just don't we don't have a closer right now in the in the minor leagues in in Buffalo. We'll say in Buffalo we don't have that closer per se. So you know right now Tapera is the best that we have. With that said, I would still trade him because of all the other, like everything that I've already said, the controllability, you know, he's, he's a proven commodity. And I believe that a, a team trying to make a push for the playoffs, they already have a closer. They're looking for, they're looking for bullpen depth and Tapera has shown that he can, he can be a setup man and he's going to provide that bullpen depth. What we can get back for him. I think that we'd be able to get, um, you know, if you're going to go ABC, Type prospects. I think you could get a couple B B type prospects for him. All right, all right. That's that's fair, and I can wouldn't be as angry as if they if they traded Sanchez or Stroman if they traded to Para in that sense. So, and we're not going to be bring Pet- Petrica up. Petrica. Oh, we're we're not going to bring him him up to replace. Uh, to replace Tapera, so no. you can rest at ease. You can rest your mind at ease. Probably a Tim Meza, mm. right? Yeah. Again, I I'd like to see some of the other guys. Maybe start getting a shot. Maybe start looking at them. Like, but I don't know. This this is probably a topic for another day, Miller, because we've we've hit the we've hit the post. Okay. We, we've hit the end of this Monday edition of Locked On Blue Jays. So why don't you tell the fine folks where they can find you? You can get me at uh, Mueller Ryan 11 That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R-R-Y-A-N-11 on Twitter. And you can reach out to me anytime you want at Jays from the Couch. I do daily MLB recaps or M-I-L-B recaps. So leave comments and we can talk. Yep, sounds good. And you can find me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. Uh, you can also check out jaysfromthecouch.com radio on, on iTunes while you're subscribing to this fine podcast, Locked On Blue Jays. And check out the live shows, the live call-in shows that Sean Doyle is doing. You can find those links at jaysfromcouch on Twitter. I'll... I'll be checking in probably on weekends. And again, uh, big things coming for that podcast. Big thing coming for this podcast, starting with Miller. Miller, thank you so much for coming on with me in your co-host duties. Well, hopefully we can touch base again this week. Yeah, you're you're so much better at talking than my cat. So <laughs> I appreciate it. 
The bar is set low. <laughs> it it's it is, but we raise it every day. So for Ryan Miller, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Locked On Blue Jays. And y'all take care.